Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Um, I, I'm going to pick up really from last night. Who was able to be here last Sunday when David shared on the four G's? The go, give, gather, grow. Okay, so I was potentially going to start something else, but actually over the last few weeks, um, I've been really caught actually with the parable of the mustard seed. Um, it's, so it's, it's one of the, the well-known ones. So I've gone for, uh, my message this morning is called Keen as Mustard, to go, give, gather, grow. There's quite a familiar looking sign there. And actually it says on the label, um, originally English. But we had to broaden that out, didn't we? I mean, we've got all nations. We've got so many different nations represented here. And it just so happens, because I'm Welsh, I put that one next. But there are lots of nations represented. And that God wants us to be keen as mustard, to go, give, gather, and grow. And so I'm going to talk about the mustard seed. And uh, going to be reading from uh, three, three passages, uh, three times that we see the, the parable of the mustard seed described for us. And there's things I'd like us to do together today. And one of that is after each of the G's, just to take a minute or two for personal reflection about what that means for us. Because last Sunday when David shared, he shared a lot. He covered a lot of ground. He, sh- he shared the big picture stuff, which he does so brilliantly. And in his apostolic role, that's what he should do. But it's then really important that we honor that word by saying, okay, what does that mean for me really? I know it, I know it excited me. I know it stirred me. I know it did something, but actually, what, what am I going to do with that? And so today is an opportunity for that. And next Sunday, or over the next week, we're going to have Life Group Sunday. So we'll, although we'll be mask-free next Sunday, we won't be gathering here. Uh, a few groups will be gathering here, but otherwise we'll be meeting in Life Groups next week. If you're not in a Life Group, if you're, if you're a visitor, or you're not in a group, come and let us know, and we'll hook you up with the group so you've got someone to meet with next Sunday uh, or over the weekend. And we're going to talk about these four Gs together in the groups a little bit. I mean, that's what I'd like us to do anyway. It's up to the life group leader then, isn't it? <laughs> but there's uh, three, three times in the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So these are the three gospel writers that are called the synoptic gospels because they see the same thing. They describe the same stories, the same parables. There's a lot of overlap between Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then John comes along a bit later and supplements it and really kind of um, fills out the picture a bit more and adds in stuff that the other gospel writers don't tend to include. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke often cover similar ground. But interestingly, these three parables have slightly different words and emphases in the three different gospel letters. And I think there's something for us to pull out from that to help us in our go-giving, gathering, and growing. And by the way, I was reading John 4 this week. and And you know when Jesus meets the woman at the well in the little village of Sychar, and he's in Judea, and he's, his disciples are baptizing, and John the Baptist is baptizing, and the Pharisees are keeping score, and then Jesus is like, I'm not having anything to do with this keeping score nonsense, I'm off, and he heads up to Galilee, and he goes, and then he goes, and where does he land up? He lands up at a well in Sychar, and then he meets a woman, and when he meets the woman, what does he do? He gives, he gives an opportunity for a conversation, he asks for something, then he gives her the living water, he tells her that she can receive that, and he also gives her a word of knowledge, And then she goes, and she gives into the village of Sychar, and she gathers. And all of these people gather towards Jesus, and all of a sudden Jesus is invited to the the town of Sychar, and the whole gospel is spread throughout this little village in Samaria, and the kingdom of God grows there. And I just love the way that that little, that that flow of those things, the go, give, gather, grow. It's this virtuous cycle almost. So let's look at Matthew's rendering. This is from the New American Standard Version. So I should get Josiah Harkins to read this in his American accent. 
<laughs> it says, he presented another parable to them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. And this is smaller than all seeds, but when it is full grown, it's larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. And then we'll read from Mark 4. And Jesus tells the parable again. He says, it's like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the soil, though it is smaller than all the seeds that are upon the soil, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and forms large branches so that the birds of the air can rest under its shade. And then Luke 13 Luke is actually the most succinct here. He says, It is like a mustard seed which a man took and threw into his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air rested in its branches. Now, Jesus was a wonderful storyteller. He communicated theology, not using concepts and ideas, but using stories. He was a metaphorical theologian. And I don't say that easily or lightly. He presented secrets and mysteries of the kingdom of God using stories, using parables. And in fact, we can't really understand these stories, these parables, unless the Holy Spirit gives us the keys to unlock what's being said. These aren't just nice sermon illustrations. Jesus is revealing to us, he's uncovering something to us about a mystery, a secret that was hidden for centuries, for millennia, and now we can see what the kingdom of God is like. Now we can see what God is like through the parables. That's what parables are. That's why he has to say, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. That's what he says in Wales. But those who have ears to hear, let them hear <laughs> what the Spirit is saying. It's what he says to the churches in Revelation, in the red letters. And it's what he says to the disciples when they look, not look on, nodding very wisely and sagaciously as Jesus is telling his parables. Yeah, that's right, Jesus. Absolutely, Jesus. Spot on, Jesus. That's the way to put it, Jesus. And then when they're away by themselves, they're like, Jesus, what did that mean? I love the behind the scenes that we get in our Bibles. It's wonderful, isn't it? And, uh, and Jesus describes for us something about the kingdom of God and the gospel of the kingdom. And to, for us to understand this, the church is, the, is an agent of the kingdom. We're here on kingdom business. We're here as ambassadors. We're here as influencers. We're here as salt. We're here as light. We're here to bring the kingdom to bear in the world. In fact, David reminded us last week that we are the revelation of God's manifold, multifaceted, AK, surround sound, Dolby, beyond Dolby, <laughs> revelation of God's glory to the whole of the heavenly realms. The church is God's portfolio. So that when the heavenly realms look at us, they go, oh, wow, you're amazing. You're so creative. You're so clever. You're so inventive. How did you get those people to unite together? They're so different. They're so weird. A couple of them are normal, but the rest of them, come on. How have you done that? We're here to reveal God's glorious uh, plan to, to the heavenly realms and to the world. And we're an agent of the kingdom. And although Jesus is here talking about how the kingdom of God is revealed in the earth, we are the agents of the kingdom. We're here to extend the kingdom. We're the ones who bring the kingdom into the world by binding and loosing, by sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and what I love about these parables is it's quite Edenic. It reminds me of the Garden of Eden because there are trees and there's seed and there's birds of the air 
and the man is there, and there's a growing, and there's a filling, and there's an evidence of something. I believe Jesus is describing something about God's original intention of what he wanted in the beginning, in the garden. And that word seed that we get is the word zerah, and in Genesis 1.19, it talks about seed being produced by trees that fell to the ground, and they produced trees of their own kind. It's the same word that, that God uses about the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent in Genesis 3. It's of the kind, the kind, from the, the kind of the woman and the kind of the serpent. We'll, we'll be at loggerheads with one another and, and the, the seed of the serpent will strike his heel. But guess what? He'll crush his head. Crush his head. That's the outcome. That's the end game. That's the result. However the fixture might look like it's going, that's the end result. The head of the enemy has been crushed and we're doing a mopping up exercise to pockets of resistance. And God is saying, this is, this is where I am. And there's something about seed that's really powerful, about the DNA of the kingdom. Once the DNA of the kingdom is sown, you're not taking it out. That's the yeast parable. Have you, has anybody ever tried to get yeast out of dough once you've put yeast in? You can't even see the stuff unless you've got an micro, electron microscope. And very small tweezers. But once it's in, it's in, and then it permeates. And the church is that. We're here to permeate the whole of the dough. We're in the world. We're not of the world, but we're in the world. This isn't a holy commune where we all hide away and wait till Jesus comes back, shivering and quaking and being scared about every noise and loud noise and bit of darkness that we see. But actually, we're in the world to preach and declare the gospel of the kingdom. That's this, what this parable is saying. And we've got a, a little picture of a, oh, a little, some mustard tree factoids. Okay? So it's an evergreen shrub. Did anybody know it was an evergreen? Did anybody even know there was something called a mustard tree? Only got as far as the seed. It grows rapidly and it reaches a height of 8 to 20 feet. That's in old money. Well, that's the only money I know. Uh, the bottom branches are often low and very close to the ground. It does well in hot climates with deep and penetrating roots. In fact, they advise you don't put it next to cisterns and things like that because it will break through ceramic and, 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 and push through stuff. Its leaves are oval and they're green to a yellowy green. They produce flowers and they produce berries and they produce seeds. It's very fruitful. And every, uh, the, the seeds and the, the berries are nutritious and animals can eat the flower, the seed and the berries and the leaves. And the wood is resistant to bacteria and plaque. So in fact, in some eastern countries, uh, the wood of mustard trees is used as, as a toothbrush. I was going to say toothbrush. And the fruit is eaten for nutrition um, as well as the seeds. And in fact, mustard uh, is the, the most widely um, bought and sold spice or uh, product seeds. And it's great for shading, nesting, and nutrition. You know, I love the picture of trees that, we, that appear in our, in our Bibles. There's something about trees that's a really rich image for us, a picture for us. And there's, there's the seed. Now, when Jesus says it's the smallest, there are smaller seeds are available. But proverbially, the mustard seed was regarded as being very small. And then there's the tree. It's not always that pixelated in real life. But you can see it's green. You can see how low its branches are. Um, I heard a, a, a story in um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle didn't include this in his books, but... Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson were out in the orchard. And uh, home, uh, Watson says to Holmes, what are you planting now, Sherlock? And uh, Sherlock says, a lemon tree, my dear Watson. <laughs> a 
elementary, mate? Elementary? It was all going so well. I just read that, and I have to share that with you. I got told off because I didn't do any jokes at Christmas. Rob Stone actually berated me for not giving me any gun, anything for Christmas to make his family groan, so there you go, Rob. But I want to just pick up these, these four um, descriptions of, of what we see this man doing. Because he's going, he's giving, he's gathering, and things are growing, all in this, in this parable. And the first thing is this, go. Context of a man going into, and here's the thing. Matthew says field, which is agros, so obviously we get agriculture from there, and uh, you've been giving me a bit of agros. Soil, actually uses the word soil, which is geh, I think, I don't know. And Luke actually says he goes out into his garden, which is the word kepo. So they all actually use different words for the context into which the man goes. And I really like that. There's something about the garden that feels like, that's my land. I mean, if somebody's walking through your back garden, you don't just go, all right, chief. You're like, what are you doing in my garden? Uh, We're here for life group. Oh, sorry, yeah. But, But, you know, there's something about your garden where there's a real sense of ownership. This is mine. And then the field element just probably just feels a little bit wider. Like, I'm in this field, and... It could, be, it could be shared almost, but, but, but I'm still here. It's still somewhere that I belong. And then Mark is just like, soil. Just soil. It was really broad. And I just love that. You know, that whole thing Jesus sent them out, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. There's something in the language, the way the different authors pick this up, of, of the garden, the field, and soil. God just wants us to go. But I also believe this. God wants us to have a real sense of ownership about where we are. I believe God wants to give us a renewed sense of ownership about this is my, this, you've given me this land. This is Joshua stuff. Everywhere I place my foot. Aldi. Enderby Jim. Even Waitrose. Holy of Holies. Everywhere I go. Down my street, even when I go into my neighbor's home, Lord, I'm taking this for you. They don't know it yet, but I'm an agent, so it's a little bit sneaky sometimes. But we just go. A real sense of expectation, a real sense of this village is mine because, Lord, it's yours, and I'm going to take it for you. It's not for me. It's for you. It's not for Living Rock Church. It's for you. It's for your kingdom. And if another church flourishes and thrives you, praise God, it's your kingdom. If another work flourishes and thrives here and somebody gets saved and they join that, praise God, it's your kingdom. But here's the thing. We're taking this land for you, Lord. We're not NIMBYs. We're HIMBYs. Not in my backyard, NIMBY. No. He's in my backyard, HIMBY. <laughs> that wherever we go, we recognize that it's his land, his patch. Where God has placed you is not an accident. The street you live on, the people that you work with, the school that you go to, the college that you attend, the places that you frequent day to day. God wants us to have a fresh sense of ownership. And I just want to encourage us today, that might mean reclaiming some of the places where you kind of just see yourself as going, but actually God wants you to say, no, you're going intentionally. You're meant to be there. That could be school, that could be college, that could be your neighborhood, your family, your friends, And we talked last week of the word that came towards the end about things that have died 
that need bringing back to life. I just want to say there are some things in here I believe are, are dead things that maybe just need to be brought back to life for us. And I include myself in this. It might mean supporting things that are happening in our communities, getting involved in our communities in new and fresh ways. And people do that already in the church wonderfully. There are so many people in this room who serve in their communities already. And I just want to say this. You're taking your community as a result of that. You're going. And I want to encourage you to keep doing that. All the initiatives that go on when we were at the church meeting on Wednesday, which, by the way, the vast majority of the initiatives, if not all of them, have been initiated and driven by ladies. Absolutely. You look at Pebbles, you look at International Friendship Centre, you look at Mumstop, you look at the Father's Heart Youth Ranch, you look at Rachel's table. I know Rachel would say, it's not just me, it's my family and it's others, and I, I get that, but these have been born out of faithful, godly women's hearts, and they've gone after something, and many other places beside as well. You know, leading is not just getting an opportunity to stand up here and talk for three hours on a Sunday morning. So much more than that. Our influence is great. And I want to honor each one person that's doing that. Where you are, the things that God's put on our hearts to do. To go. To go to Colville, to go to Tamworth, to go to Atherston, to go to Leamington, to go to Worcester, to go wherever God's sending us. There's soil everywhere we go. I was reminded of this song, so I'm going to play this song. Does anybody remember Sesame Street? This is going to be in your head for the rest of the day. But I believe the Holy Spirit has asked me to put this in the head. <laughs> Could we just show this video, please? Because this, this kind of represents something for me. That was wonderfully random, wasn't it? But I was just thinking about the people in our neighborhoods, the people that we meet every day, that God has sent us to go to meet those people. You know, there's a, a lady in the co-op here, uh, and she serves me uh, when, I, when I go in. Very often she's there. She's a person that we've chatted to um, as we've gone in, and she knows that we're from the church, and she started to share some things about other going on, challenges at home, particularly with her husband, and we've been praying for her. We've been asking after her when we've gone in and asking after him, and then just before Christmas, her husband came to the light switching on, came to the building here, and Janet Young met him, and she prayed the prayer of salvation with the man that we've been praying for. Isn't that amazing? It's the people in our neighborhood. The people that we meet each day is just those are the people that God is telling us to go to. He's sending us out to. For me at the moment, my, my, where I go to the gym is I'm seeing that as my patch. There's a young man I've been talking to. He's a fireman who works in my neighborhood. <laughs> and in conversation with him, I realized that when he was a young man, he used to go to Rock of Life in Broughton Astley. Knew a guy in the church at the time called Paul Who. If anybody remembers that man. And... Um, and when I talked to Stephen and Mandy about it, Mandy remembered him and gave me some things to sort of say about it. And I, and I chatted with him again just the other day, and he said, you know what, I think I'd really like to come to, to church with you. And I keep driving past Liverpool Church thinking I should go in. I'm like, well, come on in. But I've got, he's in my neighborhood. You know, there are people in the, in the gym, Gaz is still asking me about Bible stuff. And just recently he said, I've been reading the parable of the, 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 the foolish and the wise builder, the one who builds on sand and the one, one who builds on rock. And I just really thought, I probably need to work on my foundations a little bit. <laughs> I'm like, Holy Spirit, you're making this too easy. <laughs> but again, just the opportunity to talk to him about what that actually means and start to say, that's a really nice thing to say, what does that actually mean? And talk about Jesus and knowing Jesus and who he really is and, and who he can be in a relationship with Jesus. And talk to him again about Alpha. 
I'm going to get him on Alpha. Okay? I'm going to bring him to an Alpha course. But just these are the people in our neighborhood, our friends, our family, to have a real fresh sense of, I'm going. And I'm going for you. So I just want to pause for a minute. I'm going to ask Will if just would play for a moment. I just want to ask that you would just consider where are we going? Where have you got to go in 2022? That will be people. That will be places. That will be some places you already are, but you're just thinking, I'm going to go with a fresh expectation, with a fresh intention, and encourage you to write some names down, write some places down, write some initiatives down, um, write some family down, whoever it is, whatever it is, wherever it is. But Holy Spirit, just as we just take this moment now, I pray that you just put people, you put faces and places to our minds of where you really want us to be intentional in going this year. I'm just going to give you a minute just to think. fresh boldness to be able to share with those people fresh opportunities Lord that you give us the insights of the times when we can talk about things that are important and we'll just have a fresh faith Lord for where we're going this year Amen and then the next thing is to look at giving and in um, Matthew and, and Luke actually it says the man took the seed again very intentional the man wasn't walking around hoping some seed would boop, pop out of his pocket or maybe just slip out of the palm of his hand, but he took it. And then Matthew and Mark say that he sowed, that word there, spiro, which means to scatter and, and, and sow, which we would associate with sowing and would be the parable of the sower, Matthew 13, a sower went out to sow. But Luke actually uses a different word. He uses the word balo, which literally means to thrust. There's a real, in fact, it means to like throw into prison, to cast into prison. So one is about pouring out, one is about pushing out, if you like. I just want to, I just thought a bit about that, and I thought, you know, there are times when God just wants us to be generous, and just to scatter wherever we are to share things, but there'll be times when he really wants us to be targeted, and to be, to, to, to I mean this in the right way, we're not Bible bashers, I know that, but we're actually a bit violent, that we actually mean it. I always say that to the boys when they're playing football like, or rugby. Whatever you do, just mean it. And if it doesn't work, at least you meant it. Just mean it. Don't go into a tackle like, oh. mean it. You're going to take a shot, mean it. Don't go, oh. And there's something about when we sow that we just mean it. Because a lot of people are talking a lot of stuff. And sometimes what we feel like we've got to give seems really small. But, like, doesn't seem like much. If I say this now, it doesn't seem very big in, in the light of this huge issue. 
Well, there are so many other seeds in this person's life, in this, in this soil, because that's what Mark focuses on. He says that actually there's lots of other seed knocking around. There's so many philosophies. There's so many other religions. There's so many other views. There's so many other perspectives. It's just going to get lost, isn't it? Maybe I'll just hold it. And they're like, no, give. Because here's the thing. Kingdom DNA is in that seed. Therefore, it will produce something significant. Times, just be generous. Other times, be intentionally just, I'm going to bring it now. I'm going to say, I'm going to pray for you. Not even, can I pray for you? But sometimes it's right for us to say, I'm going to pray for you. That we are less apologetic about our apologetics. (laughs) But just that we're willing to be bold, to share our faith, to know that this seed is the key to eternal life. That's all. Just a point exactly. This seed is, is, is going to lead somebody to salvation. This seed could lead somebody to being restored in their relationship with God. This seed could produce something in this person's family that transforms it and makes it something beautiful and glorious. That's all. That's the seed that we have. That we're liberal, that we're intentional, that we're less apologetic, and that we're ready. I um, have, have learned over time to have specific stories of God's goodness in my life for specific things so that when somebody comes to me with a challenge in a certain area of life I've got a story of God's goodness in that area for us to think about the things that God has done for us so there's times I was just talking with somebody this week about it about grief and about loss and how I lost one of my best friends and he was only 24 years old and I talked to them about God bringing peace into that situation and comforting me in, in, a, in a place of real sadness and mourning and loss. And then they opened up about a situation that they were aware of, of where they were grieving, and they just said, I wish I could have that peace. And I said, you can. But in that op- those opportunities where there's a need, you can say, well, God provided for me. We've heard stories this morning. Charlie's got a cracking one. Lauren and Mike, wow. What a story you have now for others to offer hope. And to talk about the goodness and the glory of God, has it been easy? No. But those are the things we share. Those are the things that we talk about. When I had back problems for years with ankylosing spondylitis and I never thought I'd be able to run again or move again comfortably, and now I'm free of that, whenever somebody else is in pain, I'm, I'm ready to go with that story. Talk about God's power in our lives, God's goodness in our lives. That we have something to give. We all have something to give. We all have stories and and, and examples of God's goodness. We all have gifts. We all have abilities. We all have interests that we can share with people. We all have kindness and time that we can can give. But again, I just want to pause. And really the first two are the main two I want us to focus on. I'm not going to talk for a huge amount longer this morning. But I just want us again just to stop and think about what it is that you have to give. And might be some of it might be starting to think again. And you might not get to do this right now. Stories of God's goodness in your life. Just catalogue them. Put them under H for health. Put them under P for provision. Put them under Q for questionable, but I think it was him. (laughs) Well, if you just play again for a minute. And Lord, I just pray as we just stop for a moment and just think about what it is that we have to give. And I believe some of this will tie in with some of the places or people that God's 
put in our hearts to go as well? What is it you can give where you've been sent, where you're going? Just start to be specific about people and places and then what you can give practically, what you can prepare in your own heart, in your own mind so that when we're there, we've got something to give. Holy Spirit, help us, we pray. Just begin to give us a fresh perspective. Help us to be creative. You're the creator. Help us to be creative, we pray. What's your story, just want to encourage you, some of you here, I believe, feel that to, to move in healing, gift of healing, something you have a particular burden to do and you've had it and maybe it's just dwindled a little bit, it's just waned a little bit, it's just not quite as prominent as it was, but I just want to encourage you to fan into flame again that. For others, I think you've moved in other gifts of the Spirit out where you felt a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or you just had faith for a situation and maybe it's just dulled a little bit or you just not felt like you've had the opportunity I just encourage you now just to come again and say Lord give me those times give me those opportunities help me see them give us the faith Lord that we need thank you Lord Amen Amen you know the next um, thing then inevitably that comes is there's a a going and a giving is the growing and the gathering. And these two things are sort of intertwined, really. And, um, but, but what I love is this picture of the birds of the air coming to nest in its branches. Um, Sarah went out and put some more bird feed up on the, the bird feeder. And in no time at all, all sorts of birds have sort of appeared. When there's good things around, birds find it quickly. I guess they got a good view, haven't they? So they can tell when it's just good. But, I, but there's something really prophetic about that picture. In Ezekiel, um, the prophet Ezekiel, Ezekiel 17, 22, just want to read these verses. This is the New Living Translation. He says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will take a branch from the top of a tall cedar and I will plant it on, top, on the top of Israel, Israel's highest mountain and it will become a majestic cedar, sending forth its branches and producing seed. Birds of every sort will nest in it, finding shelter in, its, in the shade of its branches. It's a description of the kingdom. Description of, of God's kingdom bringing a blessing to what? To who? The nations. Those who are not yet saved. We're here to disciple nations. And just to think about those that are being drawn to us, that we should expect, firstly, for people to be drawn to us. But David also said last week, Jesus didn't tell the world to come to church. He told the, told the church to go into the world. There's an attractional element, I believe, to, to what we do, and a missional, a going out yeah. element. Definitely. And for us, again, to think about where we are, who's, who's gathering around us? Or where do we feel drawn to gather? Who are we gathering with? I believe there are fresh things that God's going to put in the hearts of some people this year, fresh initiatives. 
I, I believe that in some places there might be a, a fresh desire for prison, prison ministry. I believe there'll be in some a, a desire to care for carers, those who are caring for, for maybe elderly or, or um, uh, unwell relatives, that there's people who want to care for them, and that will lead into something that actually blesses the world. But just for us to think about who is gathering to us and, and, and where are we gathering, who are we gathering with? But I love that picture of this security, this place of blessing, this place of abundance. And I just want to reiterate again these wonderful initiatives where we can support things that are already up and running. The, the mum stops, which by the way are, as, as was mentioned on Wednesday night, they're maxed out at the moment. There's waiting lists for all mum stops. And um, I asked a little while ago, talked to Russ Hawkins, who now serves, well, pretty much in every area, but in my, is there at mum stop. And how is it, Russ? He loves it. It's a great place to just be among people who are here that we can absolutely bless the socks off. And it's just a blessing to do that. And to say, to, if you've got time in the week to come and support mum stop, please do that. It's wonderful to see how the community cafe is starting to, to get a buzz around it on a Tuesday morning here at the building. And if you want to come along or invite neighbors or friends along, you'll find a really welcoming, fun place to bring friends and family to. If you know relatives who have time during the day or neighbors during the day that are maybe a bit lonely or a bit of a loose end, send them to the community cafe. They'll be blessed. What Janet is doing with Pebbles and Rachel's Table and the Father's Heart Youth Ranch and going out into the community. There's attractional and there's missional stuff going on all the time. And I believe there's fresh things that God is going to stir in our hearts this year. And then the last thing is growing. This growth that takes place. And interestingly, Matthew and Luke use one word and Mark uses another. And Matthew and Luke use this word oxana, which means to increase in maturity. And that speaks naturally and spiritually and also speaks of a multitude of people. There's something about growth and maturity and stature. And then Mark's is just, it just gets really big. It's just tall and visible and noticeable. And I believe God wants us to grow. You know, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and the people. Lord, let that be true for us. Let's ask you to close your eyes for a moment. Let's pray that prayer for ourselves. Lord, I pray this year, more than ever, that we would grow in wisdom, that we would grow in stature, that we would grow in favor with you and in favor with people. For your glory, Lord. Amen. Amen. In Jeremiah 17, 7 to 8, it's caught by this just about a month ago. It says, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Listen to this. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Psalm 1, 2, and 3, the joys of those who don't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand with sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. They delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night, and they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Could we stand together for a moment? This is 
All I wanted to share this morning, and I'd love for us to pick up these, these four Gs, particularly the first two, to talk about them in our groups next week, and I'll send something out that people can, um, can use in the groups to do that. But if you, this morning, desire to be more lush and green than ever, if this year we want to be more fruitful than ever, If this is what we desire, if this is what we're going after, that we're going to go, that we're going to give, that we'll gather and that we'll grow, then just echo that prayer to God in your own heart right now. Say, Lord, not looking back, not looking at 2020 or 2021 or 1981, I'm not looking back. But Lord, I'm looking ahead now to this year. Lord, I thank you that I'm rooted by a riverbank. Lord, I'm going to draw on you. Spirit of God, right now I draw on you. We draw on you, Holy Spirit, and we ask that you'd fill us afresh. We thank you that within us are rivers of living water flowing from us. There's a well within that you've placed within us, each one of us. We ask for a fresh filling right now. I pray for a refreshing Holy Spirit. Let us be evergreen. And Lord, we pray this year more than ever for fruitfulness, for abundance, Lord. Not just in our lives, but Lord, in the lives of those around us. We pray for a harvest. We pray for new birth. In our family, new birth among our friendship groups, new birth, among our school friends and college friends, new birth, among the people that we meet, new birth, Lord, in our workplaces, new birth, let it be, Lord, thank you, Lord, that we are planted by a riverbank, thank you that our leaves are green, thank you that we can produce fruit each season. Pray over every household, Lord, blessing in Jesus' name. Over every individual, blessing in Jesus' name. Over our youth, blessing in Jesus' name. Over our children, blessing in Jesus' name. Over those who are watching at home right now, blessing in Jesus' name. For your glory, Lord. Let us be, Lord, keen as mustard, Lord to go and to give and to gather and to grow this year. Let us be caught afresh with a passion for your kingdom, with a passion for this world, with a love for you, Jesus, that moves us, that causes us to give, that sees a gathering and a growing, Lord, for your glory. Amen. 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 Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.